We're looking for men of character, guys that have played multiple sports, also guys that possess a great deal of academic integrity in the classroom. We feel that that translates really well to our culture and how we operate here within our programs. Hood College head coach Brad Barber, he's the guest on this week's Chasing the Goal. Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devin, alongside me, the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Piatelli. Jack, how are we doing? Doing great. I got to tell you, I came in, came into the studio, we racked out a pod, we're in, we're in pod number two for the day, and I got to tell you, I am still riding high off of a thing that everyone's going to laugh at when I tell you what it is, Okay. So as you, as you have talked about her many times on the podcast, Danielle, my wonderful girlfriend, who you call Natalie sometimes, she has a son, he's seven years old, and uh, he beats me in Madden pretty regularly. And uh, by that, I mean, I've never beat him. He's seven. He cheats. He, does, he looks at my plays and all that stuff. He's still very, he's very good. I'm not good at Madden also. Before we came in here, I beat him in a, come from, a thrilling fourth quarter comfort behind victory. That, res- that came about after two interceptions on the goal line, two runbacks, and to win the game, not to tie it. Oh, no, we don't tie to go to overtime. He kept saying, tie it, tie it. We'll go to overtime. I'm like, no, I'm going to beat you right now, right in a seven-year-old's face. And I ran a two-point conversion in on him. Oh. Let me tell you how thrilling it was to win after this kid has been destroying me for like two months straight with this game. I just wanted to let you know that story. Well, first, you probably cheated. And second, I, 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 I can understand why you felt so good about winning, not only beating a seven-year-old, but you didn't He's win. He's very what, advanced. What, but, but you didn't win much at, at Clark. So it comes Man. back to losing so many games when you're in college. Anytime you can get a win, you, you got to get a win. Anyways, we got a great guest. What do we have today? I don't know. I'm still recovering from that burn, but we're going to bring in Hood College head coach Brad Barber. Coach, how are we doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. How good are you at Madden and can you beat me or not? Oh, man. I guess FIFA is the game within our team and I, I couldn't beat you. I, I, I probably Very good lose. at FIFA. Beat him 6-0 yeah, I mean, in FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> video games, video games, not my, not my forte. Maybe a little bit more. Well, that's good. Let's, let's talk about your, your coaching history at Hood. I think for, for this podcast, we, are, we try to bring everybody on from all sorts of places, even though we're kind of the New England Lacrosse Journal podcast, right? But I think yep. with... With Hood, I, I've heard of it just because I've been involved in D3 for a very long time, right? I wasn't exactly sure where it was in Maryland, but then we looked it up and it's closer to West Virginia than Baltimore, which is interesting. Can you kind of tell me about your, like, what's your soft pitch for the program to a pr- prospective student athlete? Sure. So I got here in 2011. I took over the program in 2013 and I'm actually a native of this area. And quite honest to your testament too, I didn't really know much about Hood either being in my backyard. So the one thing as I got to know Hood, as I had the opportunity to take over the program, Hood is fantastic. It's known for its education. It was founded as an all women's institution back in 1893. I went co-educational back in 2003. So not a lot of people realize that we were a little bit later to the game as far as bringing male sports to collegiate athletics. But academically, we, we thrive every Everything that we offer, we're very well connected. As you mentioned, we are in Maryland, but we're a perfect hour from DC, Baltimore, Gettysburg. And yes, we are close to West Virginia. 
but just the academic uh, accessibility to internships, postgraduate opportunities for jobs. I think our education speaks for itself. As far as the lacrosse program, we're taking over. We were three and 14 when I was, was given the reins of the program. And we talk about it all the time, an opportunity to leave a legacy, help a program grow on the national level. We play in one of the competitive conferences, one of the most competitive conferences in the country in the Mac Commonwealth. So we were previously the CAC and you're starting to see that that broke up and now it's coast to coast. But if you're looking for competitive lacrosse, you want to grow a program, you want to be a part of something special and have your name and your, your opportunity here matter, I think could pre pre present itself very, very well. Uh, we're not a traditional small school. We're, we're in a great location, downtown Frederick, just several blocks off campus. So uh, we have a lot to offer in that regard. Coach, what programs is the school known for and, and what programs do a number of your players participate in? Yeah, sure. So the school itself was founded as an all women's teaching school. And I can speak specific to our program. We have a lot of guys that come here for our business major. We have a four plus one MBA track. We also have a strong science program and track. And we also have a lot of guys that come here to do law and society. Now they branch out, they go local PD. Uh, they go uh, to law school, they go in, uh, into the federal government. So those three programs alone are what we find attracts a lot of our recruits that come here to Hood to compete and get an education. Now, one of the reasons we're, we're having you on is one of Jack's players from his club team is, has recently committed to you guys. And I, I just find that story kind of interesting. How did that come about that, that a, a kid put from Western Mass, I'm assuming? No. no not from He's Western Mass? From Cumberland, Rhode Island. Oh, Rhode yeah. Island kid. Okay. That's yeah. even weirder in, in, my, in my opinion. How, how did that come about? Was that a, a summer showcase that you attended or is, is that something else? A summer team event. And then we invited Mason and his family down to a prospect day and he showed really well. But kind of to, to lay the groundwork of how we get out there and we recruit our, our athletes is, Kyle, similar to your statement at the beginning, you weren't sure, you've heard of Hood, you weren't sure where it was. And that was the biggest battle early in our years right. was to educate and get out to as many events as possible across the country to start to build those relationships with high school coaches, respective club coaches, really just plant our flag. And over the last several years, the early years, we weren't seeing a lot of payback off of our efforts, but now those roots have grown deep and we're starting to get kids from all over the country. Now we do have our main area, but Mason was a product of seeing them play at a tournament and then just getting them down here to campus. I mean, half the battle is once we get young men and their families on campus, um, they fall in love with it. It's in a beautiful area. It's, it's a small 55 acre campus in the heart of downtown Frederick. So we're, we're looking for guys that kind of fit our mold and Mason's certainly one of them. The whole process with him has been fantastic. I just think it's interesting with Maryland being team division three teams in Maryland. Back when I worked at Inside the Cross, which is also in Maryland in, in Baltimore, the amount of D three teams you would think would be much higher. Like, get Jack. Do you want to guess how many D three teams there are in Maryland? I know you know, Coach. No, no answering. Fifteen. Six. I mean, it, to be fair, one of them is Salisbury, another one is Stevenson, and the other one's Washington College. Those are three NCAA championship teams throughout the history of division three, right? So you have that. And then you also have St. Mary's Goucher and hood. So yep. coach, I'm curious, like how it, does that make it more difficult to bring in Maryland kids to your program? Well, I think that's a two pronged answer. I mean, we have a group of kids that we can kind of get on the outskirts of Maryland. Uh, there's a lot of kids I'm sure is that want to get far enough away, but not too far away to where they can still have their connections back home. And we're in a perfect radius of PA, New Jersey, Northern Virginia. That's kind of our bread and butter. And then we have our isolated recruits from across the country, different states. But 
I wouldn't say it's difficult, but the locality to a lot of those great schools with kids wanted to go elsewhere. That is some of the conversation we have when a kid picks elsewhere. But we have started. I mean, one of our one of our top attackmen, Reardon Muldoon, he's a DeMatha Catholic product. Obviously, we're very familiar with that program. He shattered our freshman scoring record as a freshman last year. He's off to a great start this year. So we're slowly tapping into the MIAAs, the private schools. So we're primarily a, a public school roster, but, you know, given as you all know, with success, it attracts more more student athletes and a, and a different caliber of it. And we've started to see more success over the years. So we're starting to get more success here locally than we have in years past. Yeah, I mean, for perspective, the the other the top teams in your in your conference in the MAC are are York and Stevenson. Stevenson yep. being one of the other Maryland teams, and and York is a perennial top five, if not top eight, top ten team every year, making it to at least the quarters or the, or the semis. So. It's definitely not an, an easy league to win. I would assume that's your that's your first goal is to make the playoffs for your league and then try to win to get get the AQ, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head there, Kyle. I mean, our goal has been to compete to get into the to play in May, and then from there we want to compete and and knock not knock off that two headed monster. I mean, I have a lot of respect for. Paul Canabine and, and Brandon Childs within their respective programs have been doing it a lot longer than I have and certainly have a good product, but I think we are well on our way with where we're at within our program, taking the necessary step. And this year has been phenomenal and fantastic with our start and in, in the caliber of competition that we put out on the field against our respective opponents. So yeah, I mean, that that is a tough conference and our goal is to uh, get in the playoffs and, and compete against them, we'll close the gap and eventually we'll get that a storybook upset and then flip the switch. Looking at your schedule from last year, and, and you're off to a great start this year, Coach. What I was very impressed to see was last year you lost to Shenandoah 21-5, to and you opened up against Shenandoah this year, and you beat him in overtime. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, not much has changed within our roster. Just the way we operate, our culture has definitely gotten a, a lot stronger. We brought in some great freshmen to help us grow. For, for us, we've known it's always been a process. Shenandoah happens to be that out-of-conference ODAC school that we consider a, a rivalry. We, we we try to get them on the schedule. They're about an hour away in Winchester. So yeah, that 21 to five, to be quite transparent, we didn't play. They just, uh, athlete to athlete, they, they they beat us up last year. And and this year, I think our guys were poised. They didn't care what the result was last year. They wanted to flip that narrative to Hood's favor. And I couldn't be more proud of the effort and the execution that we put out there. I mean, some of the best across, we've seen that that our team play in the last couple of seasons, a complete game, crisp, competitive, physical. I mean, hats off to Shenandoah, Tim Marshall and them, they have a good program down there and we certainly love competing against them, but it was good to get one. I mean, down by two at the minute 55 left and Reardon Muldoon and Robbie Wiley connect for the eventual 11 to 12, 12, 12. And then Owen McDermott from Bryant Seavey, Bryant Seavey being a freshman out of Springfield High School in Delaware County, sealed the deal for us in overtime. So there's a lot of poise and control and a lot of young guys stepping up in that moment. And we, and if you look at our roster, we have a, a lot more goal scores. The, 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 the scoring wealth has been distributed very well amongst our offense. And I think one of the biggest things is I, I'm a natural defenseman by trade. And so I was coaching the offense the last several years. I'm not saying I was the problem, but it, it's, it's nice when you're able to get back to your side of the ball. And I brought in a great assistant in Nathan Snitch, who's previously at Lynn last spring. And then Max Davis. Max Davis had a great career at UMBC, actually first cousins with Kyle Harrison. And, and they've done a really, really great job of taking the offense to another level. So I think we're producing 14, I think it's 14.4 goals per game. And we are down from last year, out of conference, we were giving up about 13. We're down to like 9.1 goals against per game. So we want that to be in a positive number. And we've done that. And it's going to be tough. We, As we get deeper and deeper into our schedule, it's going to get tougher and tougher. But 
Yeah, Shenandoah was a uh, was a fantastic start to our season. I think that kind of set the tone and the tempo for the expectations and the standard of which we know we can compete uh, compete at. The sh- We're going to take a quick break, but there's more chasing the goal podcast on the way. All right, class, it's the NCAA Men's Lacrosse Championships. Welcome to Fandom 101. Want to hype up your squad from face-off to the final whistle? Here's your assignment. Lesson one, get loud for every goal. Two, work together. And three, attendance is encouraged, but passion is mandatory. The Men's Lacrosse Championships, May 27th and 29th at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. Buy your tickets today at NCAA.com slash mlacrosse. Class dismissed. Dedication, skills, focus, and the drive to play at the highest level. Lachsachusetts is committed to providing the coaching and curriculum that will allow boys and girls to learn and grow as individuals and as teammates. With an emphasis on skill development and academic excellence, their players have led the country in college recruiting for the past 10 years. With over 800-plus players moving on to play in college and over 130-plus high school All-Americans, Lachsachusetts has been able to set the nationwide standard unmatched in the sport of lacrosse. To learn more, log on to laxachusetts.com. That's laxachusetts.com. All right, class, it's the NCAA Division I Women's Lacrosse Championship. Welcome to Phantom 101. Want to give your team the ultimate assist on the lax field? Here's your assignment. Lesson one, get loud for every goal. Two, work in groups. And three, attendance is encouraged, but passion is mandatory. The Division I Women's Lacrosse Championship, May 26th and 28th at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary, North Carolina. Buy your tickets today at NCAA.com slash WLacrosse. Class dismissed. Coach, you said your assistant coaches have taken your offense to the next level. What kind of things are you doing differently that are bringing you to that next level? Yeah, so like I said, our, our our scoring wealth has been distributed across the board. I think our game against Virginia Wesleyan or Methodist, there were nine goal scorers there. So Nate and Max primarily have operated out of a 14 set, a lot of heavy motion, backside slips and screens, which we didn't really have a lot of interior, what I'd say success last year. They've done a great job kind of breaking the da- breaking the offense down to the smallest, the smallest minute factors of it to then build in the full picture for our guys. And their understanding and, and their commitment to learning a new offense has been great. I think it's a two way street anytime you install something new. Um, but we've primarily operated out of that 14 set. We found a lot of success. And, and now you're starting to see a lot of teams across the country. It's not just the on-ball plays, the off-ball deception and play as well. And that's something I feel that we brought to the table and have done great against our opponents through just scouting, watching previous film and, and see where we can attack and execute. So say that 14 set, our man up right now is sitting at six in the country. We're operating at 70%. So we, we've installed and updated a few new things there. So I think collectively, when you're able to pick up a couple of those uneven situation goals and man up, that's going to change the narrative. And then also a new system that your guys are willing to buy into and really grow within is going to allow you to grow as well. So again, the 14 set's been been great for us this year. We do a little invert package as well. Nothing nothing crazy, nothing you guys haven't seen by telling them to turn on the television on, on Saturday at one, but it's stuff that our guys are really bought into. And I think that's the biggest thing, finding an offense that you guys believe in and buy into, and you can create a lot of great things off of that. Coach, your entire roster is mostly mid-Atlantic, I would say. I think that's a fair, yeah, yeah. fair assessment. assessment. Yeah. How, you do have some guys, you do have a, he's got a New Hampshire guy from Merrimack, from the Mac. Love to see it. Yep, Jay Granigan, he's a, he's a captain for us. Excellent. How do you see players differently from, how do they, how do they adjust differently to your program, whether they're from 
that mid-Atlantic region or outside of it? You got guys from California, you guys from Colorado, again, I just yeah. said from New Hampshire. Is there a, a difference in how they adjust and how you coach them or, or attitude at all? Sure. So when we look at a, at a young man, we go through the recruiting process. I think it's pretty important. We take a lot of time through that process. As Jack would know, like we spent a lot of time with Mason and his family just getting to know who he was. So we're looking for men of character, guys that have played multiple sports, also guys that possess a great deal of academic integrity in the classroom. And then we feel that that translates really well to our culture and how we operate here within our program. So I tell families all the time that sit in front of me, if you have great grades, you're a man of character, you can compete, you you fit the eye test, we'll bring it down, we'll give you an opportunity. But when you get here, the fall, as you all know, that's, and, and D3's changing that, I'm excited to see that. We get 16 days with our guys. So that's a period for us to really get to know our guys, how they're going to transition. We're dealing with 48 different emotions, mentalities, there's, and I'd say the transition is dependent on their willingness to learn new concepts, right? Because you're getting kids from all different caliber of high schools, private schools, coaching level, and we have to get them all on the same page. And that's what that brief period of fall is for. So the guys that are more receptive to that learning, the, the buying in, the going all in, are the guys that you're going to start to see fit our system a lot quicker than some of those guys that might take a little bit more time because they're not fully devoted or open to change. But we've been very fortunate to find guys through our recruiting process and through kind of the interview process that are willing to get that, to, to do that. We do a character checks on our guys if we feel there's a need to, to make sure we're getting the right, right type of person. So I'd say the transition is different from player to player, but the end result should be relatively the same as long as they're bought in. Do you have a cap on your roster and do you have a cap on the number of players you bring in every year? So we don't have a cap, but just to paint a picture, we're bringing in 14 in the class of 2023. I like to keep our roster between 45 and 50. It just, it gives us the ability to compete in practice, count for those mid-season, early season injuries to, to have depth. And I'm also a big believer in competition at position. So I've always felt that 45 to 50 is a really good number. As you start to get a little bit above that, as a coaching perspective gets a little bit harder and more difficult to, to manage and also appease all those types of personalities. We're not in the business of appeasing players, but you want to, you want them to believe in the process. And when that roster gets a little too heavy, it's hard to really stay true to, to who you are and what your program stands for. Coach, talk a little bit about your facilities and how far they've come since you've been on board at Hood. Sure. When I first got here, we were in our old gymnasium, Gambler Gymnasium. And uh, our, our new center, the Volpe Athletic Center, was just being built. So October of, of 2011, I believe, is when it opened up. So brand new weight room, brand new basketball arena, indoor locker rooms. Turf field had just gotten here. We just added a press box this past year, updated a new scoreboard this year. Got a brand new turf. If you can picture Yale's field where they have the navy blue border, ours is a royal blue border with our logo in the middle. And the next phase of that is getting the stationary bleachers. So... With growth, growth of a program and growth of an institution, you're going to get more and more. And we've been very fortunate that our, our administration, our athletic department has really invested into our athletic programs and especially the student athlete experience. So we do have three strength conditioning coaches here on site right now. We have athlete only training times from 6 a.m. 1 p.m. General student use right now. There is potential plans down the road to add more facilities, but that is undefined and that timeline is undefined as well. So a lot of good things. I mean, it, we're not a division three school without resources. I, I like to tell all of our guys, we have what we need to be successful. And then we have 
some more than more than that as well. I often tell our guys, we want to provide you a division one experience at the D3 level through everything that we do. So our filming equipment's great. We actually drone from top down to get our practice film done because it just gives you a different perspective from the offense, the defense, see your slides, see your rotation, see how late you are. Just Play has been a great app. Tech, techno, technological advances have been huge for us. And then also equipment, additional equipment and, and gear packages as well for the guy. So they're well taken care of here. And, and, and part of that is based off of my experience. When I played, I had a great experience at Robert Morris and I wanted to give that and provide that to our guys here and, and elevating the program to the next level. New press box coach, huh? Yeah. That's a, yeah. Kyle's so, excited to hear about that. A new press box. The listen, question yeah. is coach, <laughs> the question is, will they let him in? Oh my God. Yeah. I, I don't know. Come on. If he's, if, if you, you hear Kyle's, down, uh, yeah, if you hear Kyle's coming down to Maryland sometime, you might want to get that double lock for the door. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how the podcast goes. I'll, I'll make my, uh, I'll make my decision after the end of this. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you might not have any fans in the stands. If they, they, they oh know God, he's going to be there. So terrible. <laughs> this is what, this is every podcast. Just, just oh, so you know, man. it's a, it's a straight up roast session. <laughs> even when I roast myself at the beginning, it doesn't matter. It doesn't take any heat out of him. He's so happy. Look at him. He's so happy. I'm so happy this is on video. So everyone can see how much you enjoy just uh, I love it. ripping yeah, I into do. me. I do. I, I will. It, does it have a heater in it? It doesn't matter. They're in Maryland. They don't need the heaters. Yeah. I don't, I don't go to Ooh. press games until like March. I had, okay. I had people asking me to come and they were like, uh, can you like, are you going to come and watch? I'm like, no, your press box is like freezing cold. <laughs> There's no parking. I'm not coming to see your team. The windows are up high, so you might have to get on a stool uh, to see the field. We, yeah. we got a night heater for you. So I'll, put, I'll put a chair right under the heater for you. you All right, hey, not- sounds great. I like to be comfortable, coach. What You know what I found? I found, it, found this very interesting. One of the big stories in the NCAA in the last, in 2023, is North Carolina women's field hockey hired Aaron Matson, who was the best player in the history of that program and one of the best players ever in field hockey to be their new head coach. She's 22. You were hired at Hood when you were 23. And from your bio, tying the record for the youngest head coach ever in, in D3. Tell me how that happened. How were you able to just, you were there for a little bit and boom, you're the head coach. What, what kind of transition was like, was that like, and how did you deal with that and kind of craft your style of coaching from such a young age? Sure. So yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I was a young coach. I came out of Robert Morris, as I alluded to, I had a great experience there, which led me to, led me to college coaching. I wanted to, I wanted to entertain that, that, that lifestyle. And so I was blessed with the opportunity to come back to my hometown, be a graduate assistant, get my master's, continue my education. But at that point in time, the head coach in the college started, decided to part ways after year, year two of me being here. And I think I presented myself as someone that was willing to do whatever it took to, to elevate the program. I was in the office all the time. I was recruiting on the road. And, and as much as, as you guys know, recruiting is a big part of a program success. I wanted to soak up as much as I could, give as much back as I could, because I was grateful for the opportunity. Um, at that point in time, when they were opening for interviews, I threw my hat into the ring. And I quite, quite honestly, I, I wasn't too sure where I stood. I, you said it, I was 23 years old. So I didn't know if I was going to be granted the, the opportunity to be the next head coach. There were, I'm sure, plenty of great candidates. But at the end of the day, I, I think what they saw is someone that truly had a passion for this area, Hood College, and a young, mo- motivated coach that could grow. Now, I, 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 as you could, I, I, 
probably depict, I'm willing to talk to anyone to grow my game. At the end of the day, if, if, if you're not learning as a coach and you're not trying to better your program, you're, you're just good. You're going to plateau. So I was fortunate. I got Tom Gravani up the road at Mount St. Mary's. He actually lives here in Frederick. Tom and I have become good friends. Actually just talked to him yesterday on the phone. I'm able to catch up with my former Robert Morris coach, Drew McMahon. He's now at Utah. And then a couple other coaches here locally. And, and one of my good friends, James, James Papura at VMI, him and I are relatively the same age. Coached against him for a year in the MAC, and then he took that program over. We'll bounce things off each other. So for me, it, it, I wanted to make sure that when I was identifying my brand of, of lacrosse and how we were going to go grow this program, I wanted to look at Hood, where we were at as a program, what we envisioned, and how we were going to get there. So I sat down with my first assistants. I hired a gentleman by the name of Mike Russo, local product. He was a, a captain at Goucher for two years when they were in the top 20 played under Kyle Hannon, who's actually back there now. So Mike and I sat down and, and we really started to lay out a map of how we're going to get there, the type of players that we want and the culture we want to set. And we wanted to hit the reset button and, and we were willing to do whatever it took to get there. Now, the current players that we had, it, it was an adjustment. We, we changed a lot of things internally, ex expectations, standards, and then they had to be the ones to push the needle. They had to buy into what we were doing. So hats off to our alumni, hats off to our current players. I mean, they've really done a great job taking our culture, our brand and, and pushing it forward. And I think if you wonder what our brand is, you look at Hood College, I think we're a blue collar group of guys. You don't have a lot of private school guys on the roster. We have a few. We're hoping to get a few more here in our 2014 class, but guys that are willing to work for each other, guys that are understand that their best across is ahead of them. They got to be students of the game, putting the extra work out on the field. And with that, over time, our wins started to fall in place. And we talk about it all the time. Every second, every minute, every quarter, you got to earn every right, every opportunity. And I think it's really sunk and, and, and started to hit home with a lot of these guys. And we built a culture where the alumni love to come back. We had 47 guys come back for our alumni game, which was pretty incredible. So I'd say at that young age, I was fortunate to have a lot of great mentors in the game, specifically locally and, and, and personal relationships, but then also the support of my family parents, siblings, relatives, knowing that it was going to be a tough feat. I mean, it was daunting being 23 years old and, and I was excited for the opportunity, but there was a lot of learning to be had. And here I am sitting at 33. It's been a heck of a ride. I want to trade it for the world. I love being here. I've had opportunities to move on with my career, but I love food. I'm passionate about it. And I could see myself seeing this thing all the way through and sailing off into the sunset when I'm ready to hang up the whistle, but that's some time down the road. How, how different are you as a coach now than you were when you started? What are some of the things that, that you learned? Cause I, I know from, I mean, I coached college for 12 years and I'll tell you what, I was definitely a different coach by the end than I was at the beginning. Maybe not even better, but definitely different. What do you think changed for you? I'm sure not better. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks Jack. I set you up for that. I think anytime a new coach takes over a program, they want to do they want to do the best they can by that institution or that school. But for me, I wanted to hit the ground running. It was almost like a sprint for me versus a journey, right? I wanted, I wanted to prove that they made the right decision that I could flip this program. So in my earlier years, I, I had to really understand that there was a process. And a lot of those conversations came with my father, who was very successful within his respective work of just sitting down and saying, listen, like I, I want us to be great. It's, it's the, the, the big leaps aren't coming. What do I got to do? And I learned early that it's a journey. And if you beat yourself up and you don't appreciate the little wins within the program, you know, it's going to eat you alive. And the biggest thing that I start to understand is the little things hold so much weight. And if you can magnify those and really put light on it, then you're going to be able to stack those, those subtle, those little wins. And then 
things are going to start to change in your favor. So I'd say that was one of the biggest curves that I had to deal with, which is my own internal expectations of wanting to be great. I wanted to elevate Hood to the national level. And it's been a process and it's been a fun process. It's also been a challenging process in itself too. But again, fortunate to have the support of the administration and the coaches that have been here with me during that time. So I'd say that was the biggest learning for me. The biggest challenge initially when I took over the program was just mindset and just understanding it's going to be a process and it's not going to happen overnight. Why not get a jump start on your season and attend the interstate preseason training day on Sunday, March 19th at Wheaton College? This event is open to all high school age players that are interested in tuning up the lacrosse skills before tryouts begin. The coaching staff for this event will feature local college and high school coaches that will work with players to improve their skills and get their game ready for the season. For more information and registration, go to piatellilacrosse.com. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England lacrosse? New England Lacrosse Journal and laxjournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England lacrosse scene. Have every issue of New England Lacrosse Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to laxjournal.com to receive daily digital lacrosse coverage on club lacrosse, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by logging on to laxjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Lacrosse Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. This might sound like a weird follow-up, but was there a point where, and I'm just assuming this, just because of, of your style of communication just now in this podcast, was there a point that you stopped taking it personally? and started to reevaluate it? And if so, like, when was that point? Yeah. So yeah, I think I, I, you, you read me like a book. I do take things personal and that's because I care so deeply about what I do. When I go in, I go all in. And it wasn't until I, I started to sit back in the office and have these internal conversations with our staff to really realize that our ability to compete isn't going to be predicated on my, on my individual ability. Now I got to prepare our team. I got to put them in a position to be successful, but we're going to make mistakes, right? We're going to surprise the heck out of teams. We're going to be like our Shenandoah game. You know, that, that was a perfect example of it. We'll put our team in a position to compete. And if they execute, we're expecting what the result will be. But uh, there's a lot of unknowns when it comes out to game day and you roll out the ball. So there's a lot of variables that can swing what you expect to happen versus what actually happens. And uh, it was tough. It, it was tough to really get over that because I, I don't like to be perfect, but I like to do it right. And I want to make sure we compete at a level. But if I didn't step back and realize that it was a process, I don't think we climb and grow the way that we did once we kind of turned that corner. So it took a little bit of me not taking it personal and saying, okay, it's going to be a process. I got to understand this. It allowed me to level out, better focus on the goal at hand and then move forward. So yeah, I, I'd say after, after year three of me, just be like, man, like I, I, I want this, I want it bad. You could want something, but it's not always going to happen overnight. And if you keep focusing on the result versus the process, you're going to get stuck in the mud. And I think I was thinking of the result versus the process. And then when I started thinking about the processes versus the result, that's when we started to see that switch flip. And that was a little bit of my youth and inexperience in coaching, right? You want to prove yourself. You, you kind of have a, 
a chip on your shoulder and you want to do that. But the process is versus the result, I think is what really changed for me. Coach, I had the opportunity to coach at the college level for a number of years. And one of my challenges was when I was coaching, understanding or really starting to realize that players weren't as passionate, maybe didn't take the game as seriously as I did and didn't put time in off the field as I did with my stick skills and so on and so forth. Did you find that when you were young? Because you played Division One, I, I, I never saw you play. What I can imagine, you were a very high compete guy. So you're coming in a young guy and like I was coaching college. I'm like, these guys should all be high compete guys. They all should be playing wall ball for 30 minutes and they should be watching film. They should be doing this. And because that's what I did, but not every kid is like that. Right. No, I agree. I, 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 I can attest to that. So I, I think by nature, anytime you're a coach, a teacher, anything like that, you're naturally going to want the best out of whomever you're with, your, your, your audience, right? And if you have a certain demeanor to yourself, it's almost like you want them to emulate it. But what, what I found is not everyone's going to put or devote the time because it's a passion of theirs. It's not their livelihood. It's not their life. It's they're not make majority of these guys aren't making a career out of it, but majority of them are here because they want to get a great education. The, the unique thing about division three, as you guys know, there's, there's no money exchange from player to athlete or, or a program to athlete based on their athletic talent. So a lot of these kids, it, it's an opportunity for them to come here, compete at a high level. And sometimes that means that they're going to pick their extra extracurriculars over going to pick up a stick. Now, that may have been in the early years. We don't see that anymore here, present time. But yeah, in my earlier years, I felt that, right? And that's the type of culture where we wanted to change it. We wanted those high compete guys. We wanted those guys that wanted to, if I looked out, walked out of my office, looked out of our weight room windows, I had three, four, five, six guys out there working on their craft at any point in time during the day. We have that now. In our earlier years, it that's what I think at times we missed, but we had a good nucleus that helped push that needle forward. Yeah, I think we talk a lot about all aspects of lacrosse here and us as coaches and our coaching experience and, and playing experience as well. But one of the things that I, I try to impart on kids that, that I coach that they're like, oh, coach, I want to be a coach. How do I be a coach? And I'm like, okay, well, don't do what I did, which is get into it for I can be a better coach than my coach, which was the dumbest reason to try and be a coach. It's I'm a sure bad. you had a lot of players on your team saying that they could be a better coach yeah, than their coach. I bet they did. <laughs> And, and you know what's funny? So I've, I've talked about this many times as well, that my first team that I coached in college, Plymouth State, so many of those kids are coaches now. Well, We've had them on the show. Bill Costantino at St. Joseph Maine. think, if you didn't coach them, they wouldn't be coaches I'm not today. saying that. I'm saying that, that the thing that you have to let go, right, like is you don't let go of the passion, but you have to manage it. You have to push it to a different place. You can't have it be on yourself because it does like rip you apart. If you take it like so, and it, cause it's True. your life True. though, when you're, especially when you're trying to build a program, that's your life. You're, that's your baby. That's everything you have. And then when you don't win a game, you're just like, what could I, I never went, why couldn't you do that to any of my players? I went, why couldn't I teach him to do that better? Why couldn't he do that better? You know what I mean? Like I put it all on myself and that was one of the things that really ripped at me, right? Like that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons I stopped coaching college lacrosse. Cause it, it really was so stressful to lose. I, I hate losing. I literally started this podcast talking about beating a seven-year-old in Madden. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's like, I mean, it's part mostly a joke, but it's also like, I like, I don't like to lose ever. I hate it. And yes, go ahead and make your Clark comment. I'm waiting for it. No, go no, ahead. I'm not going to make, make it. You were going to. No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off. We got a few more episodes to 
<laughs> we got more to do. Yeah, save it. But no, I, I love that you talk about that because a lot of coaches would just be like, oh, they'll give me some coach speak. But I could tell you're being honest and, and it is like a thing. It's a cautionary tale that, that you tell the players. Like, you sure you want to be a coach? Are you sure you want this? Because it comes with this and it comes with a way to manage your emotions that maybe you don't know how to do yet. You know? I agree. Coach, one of the things you said is you have great support from the administration. If you're starting a new program today and you hire a 23-year-old kid, right, to take over the program, yep. if I'm the athletic director, president of the school, I sit down with the Brad Barber when he's 23 years old and I say, listen, you're not going to win every game this year. You, you, we want you to be competitive. We want you to bring in good young men who want to get an education and having the opportunity to play a sport they love, they're passionate about, and eventually you're going to have some success. And that yep. sounds like exactly what they did with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I so Tom Dickman, he was the athletic director at the time, very well known and successful high school basketball coach. And also went to also went to the NCAA tournament with Hood back in the day. But Tom understood being a coach and and being a former coach and being an athletic director. He's someone that I really respect, and he he took a hit both himself and the institution took a chance on me. So just sitting in his office, having those conversations, the ups and downs of the early years really leveled me out and helped me stay focused in the direction that I was going. And then again, like I, I go back to being such a young guy, you, you, you can find in a lot of people, one being family as well. And I attribute Tom Dickman and then also my father, he's in the federal government, but to, to really help me direct and become a leader and really help us establish ourselves a new identity and push it forward. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the support from here at Hood with Tom and then the administration, they, under, they understood it was going to be a process. And initially when we, we wanted to grow our roster, which I, I think when I took over the program, it was around low thirties and then now we've built it up. So naturally you're going to need a bigger budget, right? And our budget has grown each year since. And Dr. Kolb, who uh, has done a phenomenal job growing our athletic department, taking over after Tom, her and I have a fantastic relationship too. And I feel if you're in an environment where they don't value athletics or what athletics can bring to your campus environment, it's probably not an environment that I would want to be at. And, and I tell families all the time, if, if I didn't feel supported from the administration and I didn't feel that Hood had a great education, I wouldn't be here because I think those are two important pieces to the puzzle to build, build a sustainable program and a competitive program. And they, they've stood by me every step of the way. I mean, I've been loyal to them too. And, and I think it, it's been a cohesive relationship. And I, obviously we still, our, our goals still, we're still reaching our goals, but I couldn't be more thankful for the, for the support that I've received and the, what else do you kind of need and, and how can we help you? And, and what do you see in kind of conversations behind the scene that maybe our players are, and parents and respective and former players don't understand that are being had. And I, I'm happy here because of that. Like I said, the two biggest points to me is feeling supported from the administration and then having a great education system to sell. Yeah, that's big. Coach, and it's a family affair for you. Not many programs, I know of one off the top of my head, Western New England, John Klepacki and his wife, Amy, are the head female and male head coaches at West New England, and your wife is the women's head coach at Hood as well, correct? She is correct. Yeah. So uh, Emily, former Monmouth University player, she was a captain up there, actually comes from a long line of lacrosse. Her mother, Jane Barberi, was a two-time cat or was a captain at two-time gold medals to the first ever U.S. women's national team to tour over in Europe. So, you know, Emily and I met through obviously lacrosse. She had been an assistant coach here on campus for several years under Molly Frazier. 
And then I had the opportunity to start up the program at Wilson, just over the border in Pennsylvania, about a 55 minute drive here from Frederick. Recruiting year, the next year was COVID, took the team to the CSAC championship in year one. And then the position back home here at Hood opened up and it was a no brainer for her, our family, and just an overall great situation. So it makes, it makes my job a lot, a lot more enjoyable as well. You know, her and I, she, she's a big supporter of me. I am a, a, of her and they had a big win last night over Goucher the one, and they got a lot of momentum sitting at two and one right now too. So it's, it, it's been a great experience having her on campus here with me. So your children have no choice but to play lacrosse. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a, we have a one-year-old at home right now, McKenna. So I, I think uh, lacrosse may be in her future and then <laughs> our future children. So yeah, starting her young, we have her, those little pool fiddle sticks right now, but uh, she use them, uses them more as a, more as a weapon versus a lacrosse stick. So coach, I wanted to ask you about your progression throughout the years at, at hood. It, it, I'm just looking at records. I didn't yeah. watch all your games, but it does seem like you're really peaking around that 2019 point yeah. and then COVID comes. How much of an impact did that have losing that, the, basically those two seasons or at least portions of them on what you were already building? Yeah. So 2019 was a great year for us. That was the, the, the class we brought in the fall of 2015 it was very impactful. Grayson Zubrat holds the points record. He was a product of Chicago area. He played for the troop pardon me, true national program, came out here, believed in what we were building. And then in 2020, as you all know, we were six games in, we were in Virginia beach. We were just finishing up a spring break trip. We got the call from our AD that we were closing up and I'd be about a week or two, but as that, that lasted a lot longer. So fast forward, it's that 2019 season hit. Our goal was to, to start to elevate our out of conference schedule, maybe teams that we didn't used to compete with, but now we're beating on a consistent basis. We wanted to change up and see some different faces. We did that and we attempted to do that in 2020, but COVID had some different plans. And then we had a pre-built schedule through our conference for 2021, which was a year first for a couple of wins or some conference opponents we hadn't had, but we sat at four and five that year. And then seven and 10 last year, uh, a little bit tougher opponents out of kind of like you saw last year, we played Shenandoah's 21 to five this year, 13 to 12 in overtime, our favor. So that's, that's kind of where you see that we were at one level and now we want to start to challenge ourselves a little bit more kind of when we jump started the program in the early process. So we're in phase two here and, and, and that process will never change, right? Cause you want to challenge yourself. You want to make sure that you're putting your program in a position to where they're going to see some adversity, right? But they're also going to find some success and it's a fine balance as a coach to figure out how you're going to balance that with scheduling. And that's why, even though we lost that game 21 to five last year, we wanted to keep that on the schedule because that's games we need to see, right? And there's going to be some of those tough matchups. York's no, no <laughs> York's no cupcake, right? Brandon Childs has a top five program in the country. So we got to see teams that are going to give us that look early on. And then some few games where we're going to be able to learn about ourselves, try a few things out. But our goal is to get a gauntlet here over the next several years where it's just game after game after game after game. And it's been a process to get there. And, and we're slowly working through that process. Well, coach, we hope you come up here and play some, play some good old fashioned New England D3 teams. Yeah, no, that'd be great. I, I don't know if I... <laughs> If we're making the trip up and maybe you guys want to get rid of that snow and come down here, we'll, we'll, we'll grab a few teams. Sounds good. We know we'll some come, guys. Yeah, we know some guys. We'll we know some guys. We'll, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll spread the word. But uh, coach, hey, we just want to thank you again for coming on and uh, joining us here on the podcast. No, it's a, it, it's been a great experience. I appreciate you all. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Same here, coach. Nice job. Really appreciate it. Right. Good luck right, the rest of the way. Here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. And thanks again for listening to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal podcast. Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Devitt. See you next time.